Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. The GA hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Money back as a free bet on any championship match on live TV. If you're losing first goal scorer bet gets a goal. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and uh, um, they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both more keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing 10 years. So Kerry broke their Mayo hoodoo by hammering them. They hadn't beaten them since 2009. There was eight games, four wins, four draws, or four losses and four draws. So, like, I mean, they definitely made it, uh, took advantage of the home advantage, which is massive, let's be honest. They had a huge Kerry crowd and, you know, it was real championship stuff. And the first 10 minutes, I suppose, was real championship stuff. And then Kerry just kind of took over. And it was a, a bigger hammering than most of us could ever have predicted. Like, I mean, the throw-in was brilliant drama, though, wasn't it? When you're watching that, you're like, Jesus, this is what it's all about. Um, no one standing down from each other. O'Shea trying to intimidate more and more and having none of it. And that's it was it was like... Uh, Claire Waterford remember years ago in 1998 where they took lumps out of each other just for the, the throw in neither wanted to stand down and it had that same feel about it Yeah well it did well look the gauntlet had been firmly thrown down to Kerry um, that Mayo had bullied them in the league game yeah. and then bullied them in the in the league final so uh, I suppose their manhood was being questioned <laughs> by a lot of people and um, they were going to put on a big show anyway they were, they were going to peacock around there for the first while anyway and in fairness to them they, they brought all the intensity and the aggression to the game and they got the reward from it Yeah they definitely did I want to talk about this pass from Clifford so he we, he obviously I will talk about him in performance of the weekend because this lad's just going to be he's going to do things in his in his football career that we've never probably seen before on a consistent basis we know what he did at minor he's finding his feet now the pass to Gini was just beautiful. That was Messi-esque. Like that was, yeah. you're not really seeing that, are you? You know, no, you, you just don't. saw, he saw the angle Gini was going at and there was a chance to wrap his foot around it and stick it there. And it's just ran, the pass ran out of pace slightly for Gini or had slightly gone ahead of him. Or he, he, he couldn't quite get to it. Yeah, but it, look, was, it, was, it was a great bit of vision and ingenuity and it's the type of forward play 
that you saw for decades, you know, in terms of an exciting bit of interplay where player with a bit of vision tries something. Whereas yeah. we're, we're so used to now looking at players uh, meet a defender and they turn around and pass the ball backwards and it's all about ball retention. You don't see that sort of stuff um, too often anymore. And that's why when you do see a bit of it, everybody gets yeah. totally over the top excited. I think, I think it was about the it, perfect pass that yeah. was actually a yard ahead of him that he couldn't get to. But I think it was because it was down along the ground. It looked like a soccer pass. Yeah, it was did, a yeah. messy kind of pass. Yeah. To it, looked, it, it looked listen, a bit it like was, that. It was a, it was a great bit of um, ingenuity from Clifford and it shows the class of the man to have the vision. And then I suppose it's the courage of his own convictions as well to, to just say, well, I'm going to try this pass because, you know, a lot of players maybe can see the pass or they they maybe could execute or they could try it, but they always, mm. they're afraid to try things. Yeah. And, and that's one thing about Clifford. He's playing with great confidence. And of course he is because everybody's telling him he's the best player that ever played football. <sighs> so if that doesn't give you confidence... He's going then, to be. Yeah. He's going to be. Barring injury, He, I think he will be. I think he will be. Um, the free from the sideline, like, I mean... He just threw it up there like a yeah. like Phil Mickelson with a wedge and just said, look, just has the control. He just threw it up there and a lovely, because there's loads of camera angles. We've seen this and he just launched it up, let the wind take it and yeah. it curled lovely back down, dropped over the bar. Like that's from the sideline. Um, and you often see from that range, we saw Sean O'Shea, Morris Fitzgerald go off the outside of the boot. Yeah. Controlling that and getting that distance off the inside of your foot is very, very difficult to do. That's what I couldn't believe because normally you'd think he'd have to hack at it from, from that range. Yeah. And he just wraps his big toe around it and it just curves. He just threw it up there. Over. That's like why that's yards out. Yeah. <laughs> he threw it up there is the best way to put it. But, and, and no, just so effortless. It, it's. Ah. This man is, um, like, I'm sorry, Keen. I know you don't want to get too excited just too early, but this man is going to be the greatest. Yeah, we're, we're, starting, we're starting with performance of the weekend here by the sounds of things. Well, he's very, look, he's an exceptional player, incredible talent, and he's very exciting, and he's capable of the spectacular, and that's really why, it's why I follow Gaelic football, so it's it's to see players like Clifford strut his stuff and do it with a bit of uh, style that he does it with as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, Donald Vaughan tried to dive for a penalty. Do you remember that? Like, I mean, I think there could have been a goal on there and he just thought, look, I'll take this contact and go down. Ended up with egg on his face, didn't get his penalty. Um, Dermot O'Connor with a terrible lazy foul for Killian O'Connor's uh, penalty that was missed. It was a brilliant save by Shane Ryan. What's Dermot O'Connor doing there? He clearly pushed him. Just a blatant, petulant push. Now, I know the game was over, but I'd say Peter Keane will be having words with him about that. Yeah, especially when you're coming in to try and make an impact. The team is going well. Um, Adrian Spillane had had a good game. He was actually lucky he didn't get a black card in the first half yeah. when he was on for Spillane because he took Aidan O'Shea out off the ball. Yeah. Um, the ref watching it. Like yeah, two it yards a strange away. one that yeah. he got away with that. The referee just had his eye on the ball, obviously, and didn't see it. Um but no, he didn't impress. And to think that uh, both Adrian Spillane and himself were ahead of Jack Barry in the pecking order, I'd say Jack Barry might come back into the reckoning now after, after Jack that Barry performance. Jack played himself out of the reckoning. He did. He did Spillane, I thought, played very well. Spillane and, had a very good game. Very yeah. good game. He's a real warrior, battler sort of fellow where you know what you're going to get out. Now, he should be banned from shooting because he's not. He's, <laughs> that's not his forte. Like, they were two terrible efforts. Aidan O'Shea got up so high behind him at one stage he got studs in the back of the head so he had the old bandage and that kind of adds into this warrior and he did well on Aidan O'Shea and it was a huge mismatch to leave oh we'll talk about this when we analyse the game David Moran on Vaughan and then Spillane actually broke even with O'Shea and it wasn't until the second half O'Shea went on on Moran and Mayo came back into it a bit so some really strange um, decisions for Mayo to have allowed that to happen for Moran to be able to dominate that first half um, like he did Um, 
Cork showed how it should be done against Dublin is what I've written down here. I don't want to hear anybody talking about oh they conceded five goals. I don't care. They were in that game with 10 minutes to go and they should have been well up at halftime and I don't know how it, Dublin do this but I've seen them being played outplayed by Mayo in the first half and they get a goal or two to take all the shine off Mayo's good work. Cork the same thing. Just terrible, terrible defending for Jack McCaffrey's goal. Jack McCaffrey, there's no goal on there. He hit the ground. There's two on one. Like that's a turnover if you've any if you're any good. Jack's allowed to get back up, turn around and shoot from an impossible angle. Now goal one one to four points. It was four nil. Yeah. They're Dublin just back. Ruined your good work. That's how they do it. I don't know how, they always do it. Um but Hurley missed the goal chance. Then you have the Jack McCaffrey terrible defending from him. And then you have the stupid goal to give away just before half time. Oh, like, sure. It was, it was unbelievable. Like Cork had played all the football and should have been about 10 points ahead. And they were probably. You would say conservatively, they should have been five or six points yeah. ahead. And they had a lead then to defend. So they could maybe drop a body or two back or st- you could stay going. It changes going for the it. game. Changes the game completely. But don't let anybody try to tell me that that's not how you beat Dublin. That's how Dublin will be beaten. It'll be beaten by David Clifford scoring 3-3. It'll be beaten by Kerry, somebody going for Dublin. Dublin being a bit off form on a day. You won't beat Dublin by containing them. They've proved that. They've won four in a row based on it, outside of Mayo putting it up to them. So, like, uh, Cork were able to get 117 against them and show Dublin up. Keno Sullivan doing mad stuff like dropping off Paul Kerrigan. <laughs> what was he doing? Mm. Like, Dublin are not invincible. They're invincible if you try to contain them. They're not invincible at the back at all. There's some brilliant players, but they can concede scores. Absolutely. Well, they're, they're no different to any other team that has played the game of football. They're just better at it than everyone else so far. Um, but the, the, the formula remains the same. If you stand off any good team and good players and allow them to play football, they're going to, they're going to beat you. Like, that's just yeah. the way it is. So you have to try and impose your will on the game. And you can t- we can talk about all the different tactical master plans that all these lads are coming up with or kick out strategies or anything but the attitude of how you approach the game is number one and that's you know going out to try and attack the game as yeah. opposed to the containment and you philosophy. need forwards up front you need good Absolutely. interplay and you need to hurt Dublin here's the, always the example I use in this is Jose Mourinho when he took over at Real Madrid he thought the solution against Barcelona because it worked against Chelsea once is to drop all his outfield players inside the penalty box frustrate them and you basically have Barcelona probing for a full 90 minutes and over the course of 90 minutes they're going to get a goal mm. and you've got nothing left then. It took them about four games of doing that and losing to actually go and press Barcelona way high up the field and actually turn them over and now suddenly Real Madrid start beating Barcelona. It's not rocket science. If you offer a brilliant team and try to contain them and not try to beat them you're trying to contain them and you're trying to hope. Dublin don't do hope. Like you know Dublin are yeah. going to beat you. And do you know actually Cork's tactics indirectly affected the other end so you always say give Dublin the kick so Dublin had the kick pass on and what that did was it stretched the game so when Dublin were attacking they had less bodies forward so Dublin either scored or put it wide usually scored but they didn't have enough men forward then to press support, so Cork yeah. got the kick out away all the time very quickly yeah, I thought they would point, struggle yeah. with that but yeah. because the game was so stretched Cork got it out and then they went at them again Yeah, because yeah. Dublin have forward line our, Howard, Howard is outstanding yeah, like I mean I know Jack McCaffrey get the headlines Jesus he's some player 
but they're dropping deep you're right Conan and then if they're given in the kick pass number one they don't have too much support up there they have to try and beat a man one on one and number two if they kick it over you've got a quick kick out because they're not back up and look any time the game got slowed down where Cork were uh, into a, a slow phase of play with lateral passing and Dublin had all their bodies back not you know they weren't able to get through no. very very difficult and it was the same when Mead played Dublin when the game becomes uh, you're taking your own short kick out there is there is good defensively if not better than Tyrone in terms of you know defending with in in huge numbers, so it's very very difficult to break that down, and also the conditioning of having to try and constantly bring the ball the length of the field through the hands with a running game. You will not beat Dublin doing that over no. 70, min- 70, 80 minutes. No, and Cork even did run out of gas. Their conditioning wouldn't have been anywhere near Dublin. And you Dublin's couldn't expect their, it to be. No, they're Division 3 team and they're only getting it right. But they definitely have loads to work on. Ronan McCarthy said, uh, what I really liked uh, from the performance was the fact that we conceded a really poor goal before half-time. We're six down and the expectancy was that Dublin would pull away. Now, they did in the end. But a bit like the Kerry game, we didn't lie down and we came back and won a penalty. Got it back to three points, you know, and it was game on. It was game on there. And I suppose Dublin got the three goals at the end and it, there was no way it was a, a, whatever 13 point game Dublin beating the handicap is just cruel because it wasn't that it was a great contest um, I was sorry that it didn't end up going up to it um, Jim Gavin says after the game sometimes Jim Gavin he's a gas man he says I think we did well to limit Cork to 117 they're a very potent side Claw Mosser again now maybe I'm being a little bit harsh on him but uh, at the same time it was, a, it was a really good game and genuinely and I've said this on the show loads of times I give Kerry the only chance of beating Dublin because they've the forwards they've the forwards to potentially on their day now mm. 9 times out of 10 Dublin will beat Kerry but there's a day Kerry will get goals and they'll rattle Dublin they'll get a lead and Dublin might you know what I mean so Kerry need to hope that that one time out of 10 is this year <laughs> you know what I mean the others, I don't know. I think Dublin are at their, probably at their ease with them. I want to talk about this David Goff penalty decision, lads, because um, I watched. I turned off Joe Brawley at half-time because he'd, he'd do your head in. He used to tell us that he was in the gay pride with David Goff, which is completely irrelevant. And then he's talking about him being a great role model and all these things. And he was giving um, David Goff credit for changing his mind. And Wheelow did as well. Now, I would look at it from a different point of view. He had to change his mind. It wasn't a penalty. Why did he give the penalty when it wasn't? He guessed. He saw Con fall and guessed. The only explanation until his umpire started waving, he has to go into him. If he ignores them and gives a penalty for something that's not a penalty, there is war. I would give him no credit for going in and checking with his umpires. He had to. It wasn't a penalty. It wasn't, it wasn't even a grey area here. So he gave a penalty to Dublin guessed it but his instinct was to blow it we know David Goff lives and works in Dublin I don't think he, I don't think he should be getting any Dublin games I don't think it's fair on Goff I think Goff's a decent uh, referee I think he pulled um, the O'Donovan very well for having a hold of Mannion's jersey I thought he tried to weigh it up then and pull Keno Sullivan for what was absolutely innocuous like that was not a foul but I think he's under pressure to, to for Dublin games to prove that he's not pro-Dublin potentially. But that, I, I, I just can't comprehend how a referee would give a penalty other than the fact that when it's a, a 50-50, he's going to favour a, a Dublin decision. Yeah, I, I do disagree with you. I, I, I would give him credit for changing his mind, like like Joe Raleigh was saying. Like, how could he not change his mind? He's just given a penalty for nothing. But how many and times his own par- is it- wait there, And his own pairs have told him 
you've got this wrong. We've seen yeah, this. Yeah, but they, like, I mean, referees always come out when they're talking in interviews. They have a split second to make a decision. So he made a decision, thought it was a penalty, and then spoke, took more information on board, and and like did like put his ego aside. Just too many referees there would say, "Piss off! Don't want to hear it. Shut your mouth. Get I out, don't. Get out I of the don't way. agree. They'd say that to a player, but they can't tell their own staff. He can't tell his own father or his brother. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's go. the truth. They can't. He can't. He can say that to no, a. Look, I, the, I accept that, Conan, but he'll say to a, a, a manager or a player, go away, go away, go away. They'll have egos with them. He can't over. He can't tell his yeah, own staff I, that I, he got I don't it. Th- look, I think it's a case now with, with all the things that are going on and the referees being mic'd up and things like that. They are constantly taking information on board from from linesmen, from umpires and different things like that. This is just another example of that. You regularly see where a referee has not seen an incident and his linesman gives him a shout. And he doesn't have to go over and talk to the linesman. He knows the linesman tells him, listen, there's something going on off the ball here. You need to go and have a word with the wing back and the wing forward. Or you need to book the two of them, whatever it is. And you know the referee hasn't seen what's going on. He's just gone over, booked the two of them, told them to cop on and goes back on with the game. This is just another example of additional information. Why why didn't he just blow the whistle Uh, then, stop the play and confer? Why was his instinct to give the penalty? It was not not a penalty. Well, obviously from the angle that he saw it from, he he thought it was a penalty. You can't give a... it can't give a penalty on thought. Sure. It might be. That's not how it works. You it have is to be how sure. It works. Sure, a referee. He, he he referees make decisions all the time. He made a decision when his his team told him you've made the wrong decision. He did the right thing. Referees make mistakes all the time in the same way the players do. What we should what we should see here is this is positive in that the correct decision was reached in the end. It was a little bit of a funny one in that. It was maybe, to your eye, very obvious that it wasn't a penalty in the first instance. And I'm sure if David Goff had the benefit of seeing it from a television camera point of view or seeing it on a replay, he'd know, oh, yeah, sure, yeah. of course well, it wasn't You see, if penalty. I'm not sure and I just see a player, if I was a referee and I just saw a player falling and I wasn't sure what happened, you can't give the penalty well, like he, there. I, you can stop the player there's, maybe there's, ask your umpire. There's, no the correct... there's no doubt that he was sure it was a penalty, otherwise he wouldn't have blown the whistle he, and given How it. can you be sure when it was clearly not? How could but he be sure, so that's sure? Just, but sure, Woody, that's just a mistake. He that guessed. happens all the time. Well, he guessed that uh, it was a penalty. Don't accept that he guessed. He, he, he must saw, have. He saw no what contact. he saw from whatever he angle con- he was from. He saw and he made fo- an error and the error of his ways was pointed out to him. I don't know. Maybe I'm on the back of Goff and the Kevin McManaman thing and the fact he lives and works in Dublin and I thought maybe... And listen, we know in Croke Park it's difficult for referees because we know we talked about this on one of the Thursday shows before that there's been studies done with referees when... The, I think it was the tri- it was a study done with games in Anfield where a bunch of referees watch games uh, with the volume down and another bunch of referees watch games with the Anfield crowd turned up and the referees with the Anfield crowd uh, volume turned up gave more decisions to Liverpool than the other one like yeah. it's crazy stuff well, like, this is at, just human nature well, like, look so maybe into the hill the crowd yeah, cheer yeah. goes up no, and well, that's, you're, that's you the home advantage Dublin had in their home fixture so you know next week in the neutral venue they won't have that advantage <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm being harsh on Goff here maybe I'm being harsh on Goff you've two against one you can kind of maybe win me over I just don't think you should I, I, if, if Goff had blown there right gone in and consulted and then said no penalty I would have said that's grand my problem is that when it was so clearly not one and he gave one that's my problem and okay he got it wrong but he had to change his mind with the umpires oh, yeah, if the umpires hadn't been con- waving at him that was a penalty oh of course yeah, so yeah, I would yeah. give the umpires great credit there they deserve maybe. huge credit for, getting, do, to the for right getting involved yeah, yeah, yeah. for getting involved um, big news coming out of Dublin then obviously is Dear McConnelly has returned to the, to the panel Jim Gavin just uh, 
kind of drop this into a Dublin Brilliant. TV interview where there'd be no follow-up questions <laughs> or nothing else. Um, and he dropped his name in the middle of about seven lads. Yeah, so he was yeah. fourth in the list, yeah, you know. Yeah, So this was gas. I actually met my father on Sunday morning and he says, Jules Connolly's back. I says, When's, when did this happen? He says, have you not been looking at it? I says, no, I haven't since last night. I haven't been looking at my phone. Um, this is grand. Like, I mean, Connolly didn't get out to America. I think Jim Gavin is being a complete gent to dear McConnelly here and is letting him back in Dear McConnelly won't see one dicky bird of game time in how many games are left? Four. Not a hope of it. Like you look at it, Dear McConnelly has turned down Dublin how many times? He's tried to leave, tried to go to America. Now you're looking at him getting suspended, a suspension that Jim or two years ago, a suspension that Jim Gavin vehemently defended him on. And when he came back from that, he got uh, 30 seconds against Tyrone and then came on in the half time in the other final. Now he's completely blanked. Dublin squad for a, a year and a half he's tried to go to America hasn't got out and now he's back in on the panel there's an argument that could be said that he's a distraction at this stage that he could be putting other players noses out of joint to come in at this stage of the of the of the season at this stage the season's nearly done now the work they've done so far and he's coming in now I think you could be seen as a distraction I don't think he'll see any game time I think Jim Gavin has done it out of being a, te- a very, very nice man for and having time for Dermot. Well, yeah, I tend to agree with you. I, I think it's very late in the day for him to be landing into the squad. It's too late. Yeah. You know, he tried to, he wanted to go to America. He had no interest in the county setup because if he did, he would have been involved. Um, so look, who knows, unless he's sensational in training matches and he's he's so good in training games that everybody knows he has to play. <laughs> but that, that can happen and... But it'd be very difficult even to be away from the setup for for this long to just land back in after playing a bit of club football. I can't see it, to be honest. No, I can't see him getting a minute, Conan. What do you think? You're breaking my heart here. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, yeah like I, I thought he might have, but then the Rory Carroll stuff this summer, I thought Rory Carroll might have been coming in a lot more than he has been and he, he isn't. So I'd say Conley's even further down that picking order. But he's taken effectively two years, almost two years away from the county setup. I mean... It's a long time to be away from that level of training and preparation, even though I'm sure he's got he's he's obviously an exceptionally good athlete, but there's a big difference between playing uh training all the time, you know, for, for club football and trying to peak at a certain time. Now you could argue that he's gonna be very fresh and maybe he'll zip around in a few training games and he'll add to their squad over this period. Uh, look, the reality is Dublin will win next weekend and they're playing Tyrone in the last game in a dead rubber match. Jim Gavin could play a complete uh reserve outfit a squad squad uh, uh, run out for everyone and maybe Connolly plays in that not a hope of it stop <laughs> not a hope he will play not a, that's not Jim Gavin's style Jim Gavin's all about the team Connolly opted out of the team and he's not going to be rewarded by getting game time ahead of other it's fellas. a surprise it's actually that he's been brought back in I think honest. Jim did it out of just having time for Dermot and he's stuck in we talked about he's stuck in Dublin now for the summer the five in a row going on, couldn't get out to America. I think Jim just did him, doing him a turn here and letting him back in. I genuinely think he's nowhere near. Not the only way Connolly could get some game time. He won't even get into the twenty six. He might get into the twenty six for the final, and with the view of bringing him on after three points down with five minutes to go. That's the only time. If Connolly's, it's the last throw of the dice. Other than that, he's not getting on the field. He's not. This is Dublin. They're not short of options. But but he is still thought of as an option that could help us out when we're in a bit of a sticky... Only path. only when your back is to wall and it, you know what I mean? That's Managers do that sometimes. Like they'll, they'll make a point 
but if they really need you then oh yeah, they'll, yeah. They'll yeah. principles you. all they'll, go they'll, out yeah, the yeah, yeah. oh we're yeah. gone here we're in trouble <laughs> let's use him but other than, if, if that's not the case then he won't get choose Mead uh, Mead are being uh, praised for uh, spirited display and still lost by nine points now that wasn't a fair reflection a bit like Cork um, Keane um, uh, Andy McEntee is pretty happy about how his team performed uh, on 54 minutes Dara Campion score got them a point ahead um, and that's after being five points behind and then they, they lost the rest remainder of the game 1-8 to a point Yeah well it, it's an interesting one because they, they went a point ahead Donegal won the next kick out went down the field and got a score Mead took a quick kick out and had possession the referee uh, made them go back and take it again Donegal won the kick out got a point Mead took a quick kick out had the ball away were gone with it Referee made them retake it. Donegal win the kick out, get another point. You're joking. So, that, so what, th- that why was, why was it being retaken? Uh, there were substitutes coming on, or there was a different, there was somebody down injured the far end of the field. RT cameras weren't up to speed with You do miss that sometimes. No, but it, look yeah. at it, 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 and it's just, they, they, Mead were struggling on their own kickouts um, for large parts of the game. So it was just at the crucial time of the game when, when Mead were starting to tire and the game was there. Those couple of scores really gave Donegal the extra bit of energy and it was a little bit unlucky for Mead but nonetheless Donegal were the superior team even though Mead obviously made made a right game of it for long periods and if they had taken all the chances they created you know they, they would have won the game you know they missed uh, Conlon hit the post with a goal opportunity um, and then Donegal go down the field and get a score so there was there was things like that but that's the level now that Mead have put themselves into playing at, playing against those standard of teams and they can only benefit from the experience because a number of the players that Mead had playing were very very young you know 19, 18, 19 and 20 so you would expect that there would be a level of improvement for Mead based on the experience of the game but conditioning wise um, Mead, Mead stood up to it pretty well Right. Um, which was a very po- which was a, a positive thing, probably faded a little bit at the end. But having said that, when when you're six or seven or eight points down, you would kind of expect that. So Mead probably could have clipped a few more scores near the end of the game. They started trying to force goal opportunities a little bit yeah, too yeah. early. So nine points wasn't a fair reflection. No, I, I didn't definitely actually wasn't only a saw fair the highlights. No. Only saw the highlights of this one. Did they go man for man on the Donegal kickouts? Because like I mean it's so obvious that that's not the as, thing to do as, Donegal as best they could but to be honest with you when, when they did press up and Patton went long um, Michael Murphy was you know he was on the move out in front uh, because he plays in that central position if he makes a move left or right and Patton is so accurate very hard to contest with him and that gave Donegal a great platform um, and then at times when Mead maybe did hold the zone say it happened on a couple of occasions where one of the wing forwards maybe hold that position and the Donegal wing back would drop into a pocket and pick up an easy one so very hard like Donegal just have it they have a nice mix and they have an excellent keeper in Patton so yeah. Mead did reasonably well but you know you probably need to do better on the opposition's kick out to keep yourself up you know keep the territorial advantage that you need particularly when you're struggling on your own kick outs as Mead were yeah you nearly have to go you have to go zonal but I do take your point then he'd probably tap he, it yeah he's just he's you need just to be good more aggressive it, yeah. yeah you need to be maybe more aggressive it'd be, it's very interesting actually to see how they do against Mayo because if Clark is in goals again for Mayo he won't be again <laughs> after, <laughs> he won't after, be. The, after the struggles he had on the kick out I think it would be an opportunity for Mead oh definitely would be I can't see him being being. Uh, I can't see him being retained I thought Killian Sullivan's first point was a good one because you're running away from goal and you use Ryan McHugh as almost a spring to help yeah. send them back in the other direction there's nothing better than when that happens it's never happened to you when you're, you you actually get hit with a shoulder 
and end up <laughs> propels you in the direction you actually want to go in. So really, Ryan McHugh hitting him a shoulder going back that way, and he took the brunt of it as well. I thought it was a good one. And Paddy McBrearty's first point was criminal defending by Mead. Imagine allowing McBrearty run from one sideline almost to the other sideline, all on his left, and waiting for him to get into range. Like, how would somebody not be coming up the middle there and bang? Yeah. Hit McBrearty there and say welcome to the game, and that's it. He he's he was almost crying out for a, for a hit there, wasn't he? McBrearty? Uh, he was yeah, like, look, McBrearty is, I suppose, he's so powerful and quick that he everybody knows what he's going to do, but it's still quite difficult to stop. Yeah, um, and he showed that he has a right foot too in the second yeah, half. Yeah, brilliant score of his right peg in the second half. Yeah, absolutely, and and that was kind of at a, an important time as well. That kind of kicked pushed Donegal on. Yeah, Ross Common lads improvement eighteen point uh, losers. Last year, only four point losers, and the handicap was four here. Anyone on the four point handicap would kill Cahill McShane, who would kick two really bad wides at the end. Missed a um, big goal chance as well that they should have put away. Yeah, probably should have. But like, I mean, this was a this was a, a good performance by Ross Common. Very good, or a good performance by Tyrone. Almost just a pure Tyrone performance. Got over it, and that was it. Anthony Cunningham said after the game, he said we created two super goal chances. Um, and their keeper made great saves if they had gone in and a couple of points that have gone in off the upright have come back into play could have been a different story I'll take the two points off the upright they could have gone over I'd say the two goals were only half chances I don't think they were they were proper goal chances Carl Craig hit it straight at uh, Niall Morgan and I was looking at the replay of that because Craig's usually accurate the only place to hit yeah, it yeah. on target was at Morgan because there was two defenders both sides so that's only a half chance that's hopeful and then Enda Smith coming in on the, along the end line. Should have been a fist really. over, will he? Yeah. <laughs> it, should have, it should have been a penalty because Frank Burns was just pushed, came just and before, just pushed yeah. him straight in the back. Yeah, he if did. Actually, if, if Enda Smith had not taken the shot, if he had taken another play, it would have been a blatant penalty. Yeah. Or even if he had taken one... Now, he probably would have, would have overcarried, but if he took one more step, he would have got the blast in the back an absolute stonewall penalty yeah. and you see defenders do that a lot and Burns was doing it for the whole game he got away with a number of them whereas the player was shooting he he basically took them out of it so um, he got I think I think Tyrone really got away with that one and that was at an important point in the game it would have been a huge yeah. huge lip for Roscommon it, it, it wasn't really a chance though because I've often gone in oh, that, 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 that tight headline. angle it was difficult yeah. and, and the only way you beat a goalie there is going low and he might dive over he'll come out or through his, his legs, legs or something go through yeah. his legs but going at his body like he he punted it right at Morgan like I mean there was no way maybe go high and hope that the reaction but you have to get a load of power on it like that when you're coming in on the, along the end line you've almost mo- no ch- choice but to punt it it's hard to get power on it because you can't get the good extension of your leg because you're being chased mm. you kind of have to keep the ball ahead yeah. of you and just kind of punt it on so there weren't there weren't good goal chances. So I, I disagree with Anthony Cunningham there, but they were definitely well in the game and played some good football. Like Enda Smith pass to um to Murta was absolutely sensational. So they played Cox was off form, missed two bad frees and wasn't when when you when all your eggs are in the basket of Cox kind of performing and had been to this point, when he doesn't perform, what happens? You know, Murta was kind of did some good things but was uh, well held as well. Yeah, Ronan McNamee deserves a big shudder for shutting him down. Did well like, on Cox, yeah. Year and yeah. Just, like, when he's on his day, he's hard to get past. Yeah, he definitely well, is. I think it was also where you... At, it was a game where Cox's impact was, was nullified, really, by Colin Kavanagh as well. Like There was a lot of occasions where Cox had it. And if he was one-on-one, he's a strong enough player that even with McNamee, when he would have stepped inside, he would have felt the contact and he would have driven through the tackle, as he's done in all the games this year. Because he's not really... a exceptionally pacey player so he relies on his power to kind of bring the ball into the tackle 
shrug the defender off and then get the shot away. But any time he did that, Kavanagh was right out on top of it. So that he knew if he tried to take it into McNamee, even if he shrugged him off, he was straight into Kavanagh and he would have overcarried. So that that's where you see Kavanagh, the benefit of him for Tyrone. Yeah. Um, at times now, whether they... Look, we, we know whether that's going to be double or not is a completely different story. But at the weekend, against everybody else, it's very, very effective. And, but, and that's always my point, right? If you've got a two-man inside forward line and you're depending on them, then you can't give the other team a sweeper or else what's the point? In it? You know what I mean? You really struggle to get to them. So you're, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yes, you'll keep the score down, but these are your only hope. So you can't l- allow that to happen to them. You know that kind of way? And that's why I was saying that with Cork against Dublin to not give Dublin the sweeper and they didn't for a while but then they did and Keno Sullivan had all sorts of decisions to make because Cork had a, a scoring put a scoring forward on him and then like that makes perfect sense but anyways um, I do think that you're right that Colin Kavanagh kind of messed that up and really Ross Common if they're depending on those two lads had to do something about Colin Kavanagh you know what I mean that has to be, had to be part of the yeah, plan and it wasn't they, yeah they just needed to change it up slightly themselves um, to just give Tyrone something different to think about um, I mean it was only right at the very very end of the game where Ross Common launched a couple of high balls in on top of yeah, the square yeah desperate and ones look, they, they are desperate but that's something that that can be a very effective thing if it's worked on appropriately. I mean, it's not a difficult kick from outside the 45 on the wing. Like everybody has space on the wing. A ball can be worked from one sideline to the other. And generally players have loads of time in that position. It's not a difficult thing that you can work it to a late runner coming onto the ball for, for, a, for a diagonal yeah. cross. But how, how long is Colin Kavanagh doing this role, lads? And we haven't seen anyone mark him. I can't comprehend it. I genuinely cannot comprehend it tactically that you would allow them have him covering your two best inside forwards. How can you do it? Mm. Put someone on and make a mark them. It's so clearly obvious. But anyways, here's a strange one, lads. And this was in the Roscommon match. So did you notice this going on? So Coldrick blew Roscommon for a kick out, not going outside the D, right? And Senan Connell was on sideline duty and he, he did great work as a sideline reporter. Coming from a, an ex-sideline reporter myself, this was top-notch sideline reporting from Senan. So Senan said that one of the dailies went over to McQuillan, who was, on, uh, who was the, the linesman, and he says they're at the same thing the other end. So Senan hears this being oversaid to, that one of the dailies says to McQuillan. <laughs> so the next kick out that Tyrone get, Niall Morgan goes short to Frank Burns. Frank Burns is exactly on the line that he's supposed to be on, but he's, it's, he's not inside it. No. And Coldrick blows a free. Coldrick didn't see it. Who gave the, who gave the free? So McQuillan. McQuillan. Yeah. Unbelievable stuff. I have to give Senan Connell incre- brilliant credit because he's right on top of that and that's what you want from a sideline reporter. And I was just thinking, it's not unbelievable that this fella, because he'd been told by one of the dailies to watch out for this, thought, right, well, here we go. And Burns was not inside. Yeah. This like, is shocking stuff from McQuillan. It's so annoying, like because we often sort of give out to players and managers and like, all their backroom team for being so uh, loud and boisterous with officials, but it works. Like you know that aggression Plant towards, siege, yeah. yeah, I mean just putting them under pressure, and it's not something that you want to endorse, but it works. Like and it's you see the club level all the time as well. The, the crowd with the most aggressive backroom team yeah. on the sideline put the referee under That's the most pressure in front of Hill 16 <laughs> 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 I'll change your minds if we get through the hour I'll have the two of you, your minds change one more thing lads before we move into part two is this Tyrone right so this was pointed out to me on Twitter so then I was wondering like I, I'm not going to go off somebody's say just on Twitter but I'd been saying about Darren McCurry came off early against Cavan uh, and he'd scored three points from play and my theory on this was that McCurry is a bit of a streak player. The game was won. 
he's on form. Mickey Hart took him off to mind him. So a lad said to me on Twitter, you got that wrong. Uh, McCurry picked up a yellow card. Mickey Hart's, uh, Mickey Hart's new um, rule is that if you get a, card, you're, a yellow card, you're coming off. Right. So that kind of made me think back to Mick O'Dwyer had this rule with leash for a little while. And it was the greatest load of nonsense ever because it only applied to certain players. It didn't, <laughs> apply, didn't apply to Tom Kelly or to Joe Higgins. Or anything. So you'd feel terribly hard done by if you're one of the lads. Now, he wanted to improve discipline. But players don't go out trying to get yellow cards. These yellow cards happen and they're just a part of the game. Nobody wants to get it. And I don't think this rule changes anyone getting a yellow card because sometimes you get a yellow card it's just an accident. Yeah, for but a mistime tackle. A mistime yeah. tackle. So Brian Kennedy, who's getting an awful run of stuff between injuries and black cards, now he got a yellow and he's whipped off. He's whipped off after 29 minutes. Kieran, or Hugh Pat McGeary is taken off after 31 minutes for because he was on a yellow card. Now, Ben McDonnell came on for... Uh, for Brian Kennedy he got a yellow card and he came off after 51 minutes now you've used three subs because it is bullshit rule right Kieran McGeary came on for Hugh Pat he got a yellow he didn't come off and Colin Kavanagh got a yellow after five minutes into second half and he didn't come off <laughs> isn't this nonsense now, it's now Sen and Connell um, mentioned this on the sideline and he said the word coming from the throne dugout is that it wasn't because of yellow card it was tactical they said it wasn't they're only going to say that this is obvious the first three yellow cards all came off yeah but tactical it means they can get more fouls when they take the boys of the yellow cards so, isn't it so self-defeating like you've used you're using your you've, you've 29 and 31 minutes now you're now you're uh, down to four remaining yeah, subs like look at uh, I personally don't like any of those sort of <laughs> rules that are uh, set in stone because um, th- they always tend to be a little bit ridiculous when you drill down into them but um, there probably are certain players on every team that if they get a yellow card they probably should be taken off yeah no I'll there accept an that waiting to happen? I'll accept that now, uh, there's some but at inter-county can, level there's very few of those lads there's some lads can get a yellow card and you can see on the field this lad's losing his mind you know it's a, it's a, yeah. a petulant one and he's after taking a hit and the red mist has come down You, you the word would be get this lad off there you know that these are not examples of the, of that at all so like I mean I don't know what Mickey Hart's doing, but against Dublin, you don't want to be using up your bench <laughs> that early. Yeah. Like, there's no doubt about Kevin that. Kevin Walsh is doing the same with Galway as well. Just to get a yellow card, you were coming off, and it's a caution. But like they're treating it as a black card. So essentially, yeah, you get a yellow card them, and you're off. They're punishing themselves with black cards. That's a great. <laughs> that's a great point that they actually all complain about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought about that kind of exit. Right, we'll leave it on that point. They're they're accepting yellows as blacks. <laughs> it's one way to get rid of the black card, isn't it? <laughs> all right, we'll be back in part two. Dear, it's great to finally get to interview you. Yeah? Really, yeah. <laughs> do you, do you, why is it great? Why do you not do many interviews? I don't know, really. Um, I haven't been asked to do a whole while. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? I, mean, I know we spoke about the defensive side of things. If you're coming in and you want to be, if you want to be the Woolly Parkinson and and just play for myself and well, an, I mean, an intercounty corner forward isn't just hatching inside either. He's, no, you know, no, he's, yeah, unfortunately for you, Woolly, <laughs> it won't last forever. You can ask ex-players that, you can ask you know that yourself, Willie. Yeah, mine um, never started at yeah, all. well, <laughs> that's, that's neither here nor there. So Kerry 122, Mayo 15. Kerry gave Mayo a bit of a hammering, lads, and they gave them the hammering in the first half, pretty much. That's where the game was lost. 
um, for Mayo they eased up a little bit in the second half but like I mean the game was won it was a hot day they put so much effort into the first half it was all about the the dis- destruction of the Mayo kick out and the midfield domination the midfield domination as we all know from playing in the forward line and in the half forward line especially you dominate midfield you're getting ball in your half forward position you're on the ball closer to goals you're able to do some nice link up play you're not being stretched into your own half the full forward line gets loads of ball and there you go. There's very, very obvious analysis. You dominate midfield and you dominate it from kickouts. The opposition's under all sorts of pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, strange matchup in the middle of the field, really, uh, with Donald Vaughan and you know picking up David Moore. Yeah. And that was that was a complete mismatch aerially and. Um, and even Clark trying to put kickouts out, out on top of that. Why was he doing that? Because yeah, I, I, I'll understand Vaughan. You go on Moran, but drag him to the wing, right? Get him out of there, and let's stick them on to Aidan yeah. O'Shea on well, Spillane. I, well, I think what what Kerry do what Kerry do brilliantly um, is the press on the opposition kickout when, when they have a chance to do it. Uh, they cover all of the zones and they cover them quite well aggressively yeah quite aggressively they leave a very uh, tight kick out maybe to a corner back out on the four, out on the 21 metre line at the sideline that's probably the only real um, yeah. they were nearly covering that, that yesterday but they, they were, had four no, but along the full it's very dicey line. like it, yeah. it has to be a perfect kick and to be fair to Clark it's the facet of his game which has much improved but it's still it's still a facet that's behind the other top goalkeepers is his kickouts, and he has the he has the one kind of go to kickout, which is the the curled in step to the corner back position, which he picked out Colin Boyle on a few occasions there. But once that was kind of covered off, he's not he doesn't seem to be as comfortable um, opening up his body to go to the right wing as a right footed kicker, and yeah. oftentimes when he does that, the kickout is hanging too long. Even when he's kicking it across his body, the kickout's still hanging too long. It's not drilled. It's an old fashioned one, yeah. It's, it's an old fashioned. Hang- yeah. It's David Moran's like cup of oh, tea. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's it's a hanger, and it's, it's a real horrible one. It's a Darryl Shea you're going to get cleaned kicker. out if yeah. it's, if if the ball is hanging over your head. But look, Kerry did brilliantly on it. David Moran had a fantastic game, but. Not only on the kickouts, I know you'd probably come in and talk a bit more about them, but because David Moran was marking Donald Vaughan, Vaughan never really marked Moran in open play because Vaughan kind of does his own thing. And against a lot of teams, that's very effective because of his running power. I I always felt it was more effective from a wing back position because he can mess up how 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 a wing forward can play. But what it meant was that David Moran was able to link the play at his ease in the in the sort of the from the half back line and midfield for Kerry because he was never under any pressure getting possession. Yeah. Every time he got the ball, he 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 had nobody pressing him from behind, which means that every single time he took possession, he could turn and face forward. And every time he got it, it was a kick past 20, 30 metres, which moved Kerry up the field and it meant their half forward line were able to hold that zone and and link the play. And in fairness, when the full forward line came out to, to bridge the gap, they, they linked it really well. But Moran was the key. And it was only right at the very, very end of the game was the first time I could see that Aidan O'Shea followed him, like marked him tightly so that he couldn't take the ball and and turned, yeah, you know, yeah. and that's a massive, that's an absolute killer. If you're trying to press the opposition as a forward, if if you just get a simple hand pass over your head to a midfielder who can then turn and play, your press is wasted. It's a waste of time because unless everybody is doing it, it's pointless. So Mayo were kind of caught a little bit there where they didn't drop deep enough out of possession from their own forward line and their midfield in that middle third of the field there was no pressure on Kerry and they were able to just play these lovely little kick passes in so the intensity was off from Mayo they aside were. from their kick out 
malfunction as it, well. It, it definitely was. And like, I mean, I'm going to brag a bit here and call my analysis last Thursday where I said Clifford should stay, stay inside in his own. The sweeper will have to cover him. And then, I, in fairness, I was dropping Paul Geaney, who was outstanding and, and played that role better than I thought he could. Then I had James O'Donoghue and Stephen O'Brien out in front. So the knock-on effect of the sweeper covering Clifford inside on his own because the conservative like analysis and tactics of sweepers is they'll always cover the closest lad into goals. Clifford is the huge name. So the two lads out in front have got, have got free reign. And I was saying one isn't enough Two is because, you know what I mean, there's too much ground to cover. That two is the way forward. And Geeney and James Adonu got on a mountain of ball because Stephen O'Brien and Sean O'Shea had to be marked, right? So they were letting off Gavin White maybe and he was the one, whoever that they were freeing that up was the one marking Clifford. Yeah, yeah. So now you're nearly man on man all the time. The huge gap that we complained about with Kerry wasn't a huge gap because they were dominated midfield. Stephen O'Brien wasn't dragged back too far. Stephen Cohn didn't attack on him. So he was able to, get all his ball in offensive positions. He caught a, a kick out a clean as well. He was unbelievably good. Um, a mismatch, like I said, with Cohen. So all these things adding up to Kerry, just completely dominating Mayo. Yeah, and like, yeah, Stephen O'Brien in particular, just driving at them all the time. But what that did was just completely panicked Mayo and players were getting dragged everywhere. And that just sort of seemed to encourage the rest of the Kerry attack to spark into life as well. So he, if there was a sweeper, O'Brien was driving straight at the Kerry goals or coming down the wing and somebody was moving across and then that little diagonal ball was on and yeah. Clifford down. But they're so good with the diagonal ball. Yeah. The actual sweeper was a waste of time in front of Clifford because he was pointing one way going another way and the lads were just looking up and waiting for that run where the sweeper's covering and Clifford's gone to side the sweeper's not looking and it was just it was ineffective on Clifford like I mean it's it's all well and good having a sweeper when the the kick pass is coming from really deep in the field because the sweeper can cover that ball in front and the forward has nowhere to go Kerry because they had the territory and were able to kind of do what they wanted in the middle third of the field and because they were all able to break the Mayo tackle you know, they were all able to almost beat their own man one on one. And then when they stepped past their man, they were able to get a bit of time to see what was on. So there was able to be all the kick passes that Kerry were playing in were coming from zones where they were able to get depth on the pass, which meant that the ball over the top was always on the real dangerous ball. So the the guys, you know, the man marker on, on Clifford, he can't overcommit, otherwise Clifford's in for a goal. So that, that automatically frees up the forward a little bit that he can go left and right, win it in front. And they're so good up front. And yeah. they were really sharp on the day that they were taking ball on the half turn and it was gone over the bar before a mayor defender would even get close enough to yeah, attack the ball. And even the Sean O'Shea point, which was actually a wide, he was finding himself not foraging. You remember the league final, lads? Stephen O'Brien and Sean O'Shea were picking up balls in their half back yeah. time, carrying it aimlessly, having nowhere to kick it because they're completely out of the game in the middle of, middle of the field like I mean it was incredible if you can't win your midfield when you're doing a heavy uh, 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 really aggressive press you're gone like Kerry are very dependent on winning yeah, and, that midfield and, battle and the one thing about them is they marked very very tightly in their half back line like Paul Murphy really nullified Jason Doherty made it very difficult for him to get in the game and he's usually a really important link player for Mayo Kevin McLaughlin was, was really well marked by Gavin Crowley I yeah. think was seemed to be picking Crowley him up a was lot very of the time. good very tigerish very tight so Mayo by contrast to Kerry Mayo really had nobody who could get the ball and take on their man and beat them they didn't really have that in their locker whereas you had Stephen O'Brien was punching holes all over the place um, Gavin White played at wing forward, he covered a lot of ground and because Colin Boyle was trying to sweep for Mayo, he had a lot of freedom down that side as well. So 
Kerry kind of had them had them every way really at the weekend you know in terms yeah. of from, from a tactical point of view from an individual battle point of view and from just the intensity that they brought to the game Gavin White has that type of pace that's Jack McCaffrey-esque like I still think he's a huge weapon as a wing back because he can drag a wing forward out of position but maybe he doesn't have that defensive instinct that we're talking about because you would have to say that the Kerry defence was outstanding um, they had no full time sweeper that I could see they were they were kind of def- they were backing their defenders to beat lads out in races and Jason Foley was much improved Tyg Morley we know he's very good but what impressed me a lot in the first half was Kerry defenders we talked about this they're aimlessly going man for man and running around they left their men to sniff out danger, right? So the examples of this were Tom O'Sullivan intercepted a ball to the full forward, full forward line that had nothing to do with him. He wasn't a sweeper. He'd left his man. Enright did it um, in front of the terrace. Um, uh, who else did it as well? Crowley did it as well. So these are these are balls. These different players are intercepting into a full forward line and they weren't full-time sweepers. They were leaving their men to actually snuff out danger and that was something we've been critical of Kerry for that they didn't have that defender's instinct where they were blindly following their own men and not actually thinking as a unit. Whereas I think that there was definitely a bit more evidence of Kerry defensively thinking as a unit like Dublin do communicating you know what I mean dropping off when needed covering off space intercepting passes all those things when there was no full time sweeper but they all acted like yeah, sweepers they, they at took responsibility time. and if the, if 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 they they spotted the danger earlier which is which is a big improvement now it could be down to the personnel maybe the likes of Gavin Crowley um, Shane Enright who hadn't played much football maybe they just have better defensive instincts than some of the guys that were being yeah. picked and when you have the pace say you know Jason Foley picking up Darren Cohen like Foley has the legs on him so when Kerry are pressing really high and they're, they're putting pressure on the ball it's having to come from a distance away you're backing Foley to win that race and you're simplifying the job for guys like him and the full back line marking the key men but like you have Paul Murphy who's a very intelligent footballer like he's not going to just blindly follow Jason Doherty out to the corner flag if Doherty's no threat well I wouldn't expect him to anyway I think he's a better player than that but you're right like that was one massive massive thing that Kerry improved upon and it may, maybe it was just the context of the game and that they, they weren't under huge pressure themselves individually that they weren't panicked you know sometimes they, they maybe when they play against Dublin they'll be panicked one on one that they won't they won't be willing to leave their own man because yeah. they're too spooked but if they play like that in that kind of cohesive manner defensively where they're you know like that leaving their man if he's not in the danger zone and trying to work more as a group I mean they they showed a hell of a lot at the weekend that we haven't seen from them in any of their matches up to now you know huge huge improvement from them hugely impressive we're, let's be honest Kerry were hugely impro- impressive against the Mayo team that have just hammered Galway do you know what I mean yeah. and like I mean we're of course now the headlines with a lot of people have been may all be gone I don't think they're gone I think they've a way back in here against if they beat Mead I think they'd give them every chance of beating Donegal at home because there's a bit of history there and that's almost like a local derby at this stage yeah. they've been through so much that there'd be a huge hard hits in that in that game. So I wouldn't have Mayo ruled out of this yet at all. Durkin obviously was a massive, massive loss. Whatever happened to him, because Cohen wasn't able for O'Brien and he would have been able for him. And that like O'Brien caused so much damage. Maybe leaving Harrison on Clifford all day was a bit of a strange one. I'm yeah, not sure maybe what's the solution. Tough one though. It's like what, why, what what is the solution there? He's the yeah, best Harrison's their best defender. I yeah. mean I, I, 
I the ball he was getting, it's yeah, undefendable, it's, it's undefendable, isn't it? I wouldn't be overly critical of Harrison. There wasn't a lot he could really do. I mean, he's Mark and Clifford. He's isolated a lot of the time, and he's and there's fantastic delivery going in. I still think Harrison is a is an excellent defender. Like I wouldn't, you can't. Uh, I wouldn't be overly critical. He was no. he was really up against it. He was definitely. So, like, I mean, where do you put Mayo's performance down? To? I think they were shell shocked. I don't think they expected that level. Like it's almost Kerry's lives they, depended on this now, yeah, and Mayo true. were not at that pitch at all. Do you think, was that four weeks in a row for Mayo in terms yeah. of matches? Uh, look, and with the injuries they had, like Kerry have had a three-week lead into that. Yeah, but there's there's also then, that's hindsight stuff where you, it is, Mayo won, then Kerry were stale and Mayo well, were match Look, I, I can only say from my own perspective, I'd much rather have a three-week lead into a game to prepare for one match than to be playing week on week because you don't know what, what will happen week to week yeah, with picking up different niggles, yeah. knocks, losing different players. But Kerry didn't know they had Mayo. Kerry wouldn't have had three weeks to prepare no, for no, Mayo. No, no, but f- from a physical perspective is, what, right. is really what I'm talking about in terms of the recovery for Mayo from week to week. They, they just looked a little bit leaden-legged at the start of the game and that that's kind of you know they they came out the first couple of minutes they they looked like they were flying it you know yeah. they got the first score which was great but and that was a great move after too. that they were just chasing shadows and that's not really what we expect from Mayo so yeah. that's why I'm I'm just wondering uh, I suppose it possibly had a bit of an impact you know like in terms of if Mayo can get a result next weekend against Mead which they would be strong favourites to do so then they have a week break before the final game. So as you say, like you still couldn't rule Mayo out entirely. But if they perform, if they if they put in another performance like they did against Kerry, then they have no chance. They, yeah. they, they need huge, huge improvement. They need hu- huge improvement, and they can probably they probably can um, improve. Kerry had four wides all day. They scored one twenty two from thirty one shots. They really were clinical. Like this was impressive from Kerry. Um, the, the, the funny thing was as well was that there were seventeen kickouts in the first half. Poor David Clark. Now there is an argument to say that he could have come off at halftime because oh, that you absolutely. know that that was maybe a little bit slow from James Horan to say this is malfunctioned badly, this is not working. Get Henley out for the second half. Yeah. Now the game was gone at that stage. You don't know what the thinking was. Like Lee Keegan came off. He w- he was poor in the game, but they're maybe watching him too. Yeah, but it's not even just the, the scoop of David Clark. You know where it hangs. It's how he telegraphs it. It's sort of in, you know what side he's going because you he do. runs around the ball yeah, before he, he can't kicks disguise it. it. He's no kick to the right. Keane's yeah. right. He's not unless he runs around in a bit. <laughs> yeah, and I don't understand. Like when when you're under pressure, like the most obvious tactic is where's the big man, Aidan O'Shea. Let's just put it on top yeah, of him. Yeah, but now Spillane fielded one early on O'Shea, and maybe that turned Clark off because the next few went yeah, down I this side and more and started cleaning I, I up. I think to be fair I think Spillane probably had the height advantage on O'Shea and I think that's the difference and the benefit of Rob Henley's kickouts versus Clark's. Clark's are hanging too long and that would suit a taller player. If you have the, the, the Henley type kickout where it's more it's a drilled ball with backspin on it a player can make a move slightly left or right and the ball gets there quick enough at an angle that uh, Say O'Shea, such a strong man, he can hold the player off and kind of take the ball almost. Yeah, in front no, I of take him. your point. Now, but I don't think Spillane's too much is bigger than O'Shea. I thought O'Shea was a bigger I, look, man. He has, than he has a couple. I think he has a couple of inches on him. But even even taking uh, Vaughan and Moran into it, then you know Vaughan, a very mobile player. You would you would expect that if you were playing Vaughan, Mark, and Moran on kickouts, you want Vaughan to be moving and you want to put the ball in yeah, front of him into yeah. his path. Clark can't do that. And Clark, Clark, just. On the evidence of everything we've seen, ah, uh, we know he can't. He can't. Do that, he can't do it at that at that level with the tight, tight gaps that you're going to have with the Kerry press. But like outside of kickouts, he's a much better goalkeeper than oh, Henley. He's a well, Henley, shot Henley gets on the team ahead of him, which shows you just how poor 
or just how much better a kickouts Henley has seemed even to be. Even Henley makes mistakes on his kickouts even too. distance as well, Wooly. Like there are times in a game where you just like Mayo were getting absolutely massacred on their own kickout. They needed to get the ball to the Kerry 45 yeah. and fight for it up there just to give their defenders even that 20-30 seconds of a reprieve to catch their breath because yeah. there was a slight breeze I think he tried to drive, drive some of those did, yeah. out but they were the ones more uncaught they were just landing maybe at hanging the midfield high, hanging yeah. too mm-hmm. high against the wind because there was a slight breeze going down that way but they needed they needed more from O'Shea in open play as well because he won like obviously just so much dog work around the the back and that's important for him but he got the ball fisted it off and seemed to stand there a lot then you know whereas in, uh, maybe he was tired but they needed him sort of coming through the middle a bit more and like he is their, their yeah, big yeah. player physically yeah, O'Shea like, looked to be struggling did, and the he, other day. he was the same against Galway yeah. lads yeah I mean yeah. The, um, what's his name. Um, the, the Cook, Peter Cook Peter yeah. Cook scored four off him he didn't he didn't dominate that game so that's two in a row now O'Shea and that, again that shows the, his importance to Mayo that when he's not firing yeah. they don't look the same team at all although they did do well against uh, Galway Peter Keane made a nice comment after this lad so like I mean Peter Kane is you know the yera 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 he doesn't uh, say much even his tone of voice after the game he, you're never going to get copy out of him but he says we went out and beat Cork there was an expectation going into the court game that we were going to hammer them all together. But we never had that expectation. Suddenly, when we didn't hammer them, after telling you we wouldn't hammer them, it was our fault because we were wrong. You can't be right and you can't be wrong. You have to be something. You can't, no, you can't be right and you can't be wrong, you know, at the same time. You have to be something. So, like, Cork were much improved. So, like, this is the, this is the knee-jerk analysis. I saw a headline on the... RT website this morning apparently Joe Brawley must have said in the Sunday game last night now that Mayo are gone do you know this uh, analysis that something has to be Kerry had no chance of winning you're either it all dead early. or alive you're either dead or you're, br- you're dead or you're brilliant that's kind of the way it is isn't it so now Kerry are going to be brilliant now until they go put in their next mediocre performance, maybe against Donegal, and they'll be gone. Then. <laughs> it's gone. Well, like it's going to be a very interesting game against Donegal because uh, Donegal one on one defensively, you would have them ahead of um, ahead of most teams at the minute. You know they seem to have that, and look, they they've they've nullified ev- almost every opponent they've played so far yeah. this Styles season. Styles make so. fights. Mayo yeah, are almost absolutely. a perfect fight for Kerry yesterday because of the way you know the way the way the, the game went. Yeah. The way the game went. Yeah. Okay. Listen, that's always time for. Uh, in part two as we're back with performance of the weekend Happiness hit like a train on a track. I don't really know Jim anymore me and him were like best friends when, when we played you know he's seen the light of Jesus and uh, I'm still like fighting the devil you know <laughs> <laughs> the Paddy Power performance of the weekend and there's no real thinking outside the box here lads this is a who's who of the talisman on the teams this is the super hits and this is where the big men stand up for their team and on the evidence of this weekend that's exactly what happened so we've Paddy McBrearty Michael Murphy David Clifford Jack McCaffrey Brian Howard Stephen Cluxton, and Kyle McShane 
There you go. You could almost you could have predicted these all done. these done. These it's, are denominations. Should be the show slogan. There's no real thinking outside <laughs> the box here, lads. I can't find pull a rabbit out of a hat here. These are the big men on the team. Any man off the street could have come in and compiled this list. <laughs> So McBrearty said well, we'll do the next thing for performance of the weekend Who scored the most we'll just give it to him <laughs> Now for the league I do a little bit of that Who who scored it? You haven't seen the matches So you're just going off What leash hurler gets footballer of the week here <laughs> If a defender scored Bully has him in uh, Oh yeah yeah That's well, the old must school have, one, yeah. And he could have been He could have actually been playing wing forward For the league And you haven't <laughs> seen it So this is this is what you have to deal with for that But uh, Paddy McBrearty scored 1-6 So he was outstanding I, it, Funnily enough He was critical of himself for his goal Which I thought was incredible um, admission my man which was Gil uh, Kamikaze defender a bit like John Keane defending I think these lads I've marked John Keane and he got the better of me there's no doubt clearly he committed for everything like he never gave me a second to go well here's a nice handy one I'll get into my chest and turn around every ball was contested with him and it pissed me off it's like he's getting up beside me there's no relaxation there's no catch of a breath and maybe McGill is a bit like that like he's out to get everything now there, the whole game through John Keane I was thinking Jesus if I get him a split second he's going to commit I'm in you know what I mean and I couldn't get a good ball kind of to actually get at that split he's committing and this is what happened Gill that and he's a brilliant defender as well and I don't know there's a kamikaze element to it because for example Maddie Ford hit John Keane for four from play of the game before do you know what I mean so there's a player maybe you can't be doing this on and McBrearty is the man it's okay to do it on me <laughs> <laughs> do you get my point but McGill did commit to that and McBrearty shrugged him off that slight bit but he says my man probably committed to the ball a little bit too much and left the ball behind him um, I didn't make things easy on myself I probably didn't give myself a good enough angle I wouldn't be happy with the finish uh, but now listen they all count Look, it's a fantastic finish now maybe he thinks he should have straightened up a bit more to give himself a better angle but Jesus I wouldn't have had much the finish was outstanding no? It was fairly emphatic but sometimes I, I can I understand where he's coming from I'd say what happened there was he didn't really mean to hit it that high he didn't like the strike on it I'd say he probably went to go across the goalkeeper maybe low, low low and he, he probably skied it and it went into the net and looked good but he's probably thinking I got away with that one that was uh, that wasn't what I meant Some to do Some admission though at the same time isn't it? It is well look it's easy to say that when you win and you score one <laughs> six <isn't> <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough Okay so Paddy McBrearty is There's a lot of less honesty when you lose a game <laughs> Well that's true yeah but and actually, oh Jesus! Now that I remember, it, Connor Cox went for one off the outside and left on the end line, like did he did you? in the Connacht final, oh, yeah. and he missed it. <laughs> Incredible stuff! So that debate is well over at this stage now. Jeez, yeah, I completely forgot about that. I should have had it down. I'm just after remembering. So it was a pass then. Is that what you're saying? It was absolutely <laughs> went for it, right? So Michael Murphy, three points from play, kick out option. Jesus, how are me falling for the one, the tap down to Ryan McHugh? That's going on since Dublin in 2014. Yeah, like they like, got, I mean, they, they got I, two of them. Like, the but first, in the lead up, one yeah. second, Joe. But in the lead up to it, McHugh is just walking around guilty as sin. You know, like I mean, his <laughs> head is down. It's like how much more? And he, I think he had put his hand up. And then he walked around with his head down, <laughs> like, you know, I, yeah, oh, completely wrecked. There's nothing happening here. I'm not involved in any move. I'm wrecked. I have no chance. And then he's gone like a bloody light. Like, Jesus, like, I mean, Mead shouldn't be falling for that. But Murphy is so important from all kickouts. Like, I, mean, I think the debate of playing him inside with McBrearty's form and Brennan's form is probably over now. And Gallon coming in, that he's nearly too important from these kickouts to be putting him inside. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Um, I would always have been an advocate that he wasn't doing enough around the middle Me of the too. field. Um, but 
I think because they now have a, a better midfield, you know, with McGee and McFadden in there, it takes a bit more of the pressure off him. So he does tend to spend more of his time in the attacking zone than he has in previous seasons. But having said that, he's still a brilliant option with the length that Patton has in his kickouts, you know, on their own kickout. That but they're going a long distance. Like he he's he's receiving them past midfield almost every time. So. Look, he's a huge weapon for them. Like, there's no yeah, doubt about it. There's no doubt. There's very, not very much, hard to handle. There's not much more you can say um, about Michael Murphy. But he's patting such a slip of a fella. He's a f- some kick out. Isn't it mad that kicking's just all technique? It doesn't matter your size. Like golfers, small golfers can still drive it all. It's all technique. Don't know how uh, lads do it. So David Clifford, we've pretty much covered him. Uh, seven points in total, five from play. Um, destroyed Kerry throughout. Uh, one slight critique I'd have of him is that he could be a little bit more uh, ruthless. The point is on sometimes. Maybe he's trying to develop a goal and he might take it on that little bit too much and get bottled up. Is that a, a bit unfair? Well, uh, that the point is on, just take it. Maybe he, but maybe he's just sniffing the Caesar a bit more on. Yeah, and then maybe Harrison had got hand on him a couple of times yeah, and he had no, to turn right back. Yeah, you're right on that, yeah. There was one particular occasion which I, I thought was hilarious, you know. Clifford got inside and he completely butchered the scoring opportunity and somehow the ball rebounded to him. He oh, kicked yeah, it over the yeah, ball yeah, yeah, and Darren yeah, yeah. Maloney was proclaiming him as a genius. Yeah, yeah. That was, was one. That was, I didn't know he, nearly, yeah, he was definitely on the sniff for a goal there. Yeah, yeah, he was. But there was absolutely. another one in the first half on his left from the other from that side and he could have swung it over but he chose to come inside or whatever and he ended up having to recycle it even though it's obviously... I. Yeah, hard look, you're, to comprehend, you're, you're right. Like if he could just tidy it up a bit, he could be a decent player. <laughs> <laughs> Jack McCaffrey, lads, we've lasted the whole show without even mentioning Jack. Um, one of the best games I've ever seen him playing, and really, really important for Dublin when the game wasn't going their way in the first half. He was the only one constantly probing. Conor Callaghan was very good as well, but like I mean, he was constantly punching holes, took the game to Cork, scored the goal. Even though I do think the goal was terrible, terrible, terrible defending and unacceptable at intercounty level to have a fella boxed off like that and allow a goal to be in but he's, he'd a hand in all of the goals I think Jack did like I mean he gave in the ball for the so Michael Darren McCauley which is pretty much a slam dunk you know they, <laughs> we were saying that some of them are thrown or, yeah. or it's in your hand for a split second this wasn't anyways he was just ballooned it into the net that was great to see actually he just the aggression in it but anyways McCaffrey I don't know how you defend against him. He, it's almost in the modern game now where the wing forwards are back working. You're giving Jack McCaffrey free yeah. run to get ahead of steam and go at you. He almost has to be man-marked, lads. He has to be watched constantly. You can't drop off him thinking, oh, well, I'm doing my team a favour by getting back here, plugging up a hole. That's no good. You're flat-footed looking at Jack coming at you and you're not catching him then. Yeah, Christ, how do you man-mark him though? Like, I wouldn't want to chase him for 70 metres down. Like, that would be a pointless man-marking job. Yeah. I do what Dublin did and just stay watching him but have five yards on him goal side. Yeah, you know what I mean? That when he wants to join the play, you do those body checks. You, know, you probably yeah. have to do that. Be cynical against him. The thought of him picking up the ball though worries me because I don't want to be too close to him and then he'd, he'd obviously burn you but then if you're too far away you'll just get enough enough head of steam that he'll go past you anyway so I, I really don't know how you deal with it and even his goal I sort of give him a bit of credit because he was off the ground so fast there I knew I know he went down and there's two people but by the time they even stopped running like their momentum stopped them he was up and they shot like you know so he didn't really give them much chance to get hands on him and keep him down there yeah Are you give him credit for getting up quick but there's no way if you f- hit the ground in that zone it has to be a it has to be a, a yeah, turnover be, and a possession it had to be swallowed up but yeah McCaffrey he's a freak like he's a freak yeah. it's just almost impossible to handle um, 
<laughs> really you're, you're you're calling for strength in numbers there to try and crowd him out that's it yeah. that's all you can kind of do that's all you Brian Howard lads I thought this lad was unbelievable when Dublin needed kick out options he's winning them his ability to break through a tackle is incredible he's like a bull you don't dispossess him mm. and he goes past and it's a bit like David Moran like this he's so not interested in the person that's tackling him he's, he's, he's still looking to see what's on ahead as he's as he's shrugging you know <laughs> he's shrugging you off and Moran's the best ever at this we've laughed about this on the show before like Moran could have a lad hanging out of him and he's just still looking up the field to see what's going on Howard's a bit like that and he's become a huge leader like I mean a, a brilliant brilliant player and against Cork who were pretty much pushing up man for man he was constantly able to get past his man then and, and cause problems yeah, it's his best performance of the season. Back to some of the form that we saw from him last year. Um, look, he's just he's a he's an excellent all rounder. Um, his sidestep is brilliant too. Sidestep is excellent, but it, look, it, there's a collection of them there. But what Howard has probably above, say, even the like a Scully, who's a lovely player and links it well, and he had a good game too. Howard just has that extra bit of power. Yeah, you know that real sort of uh, strength and physicality to go for kickouts and be in that middle third and. He can kind of play really anywhere. You can play him anywhere in that middle eight and he'll he'll do an excellent job for you. He'll do an excellent job. Scully's actually still a bit of a slip of a fella. It just shows that whatever strength and conditioning they're doing, Scully is naturally a slip of a fella and it's not like they've gone to him, we're going to get your arms big and we're going to get your legs big. I think Dublin do strength and conditioning better than everybody uh, else. They absolutely suited do. Suited for everybody. Yeah. Suited for everybody's body type. I Scully, think it's individualised. He does. It's He's a graceful player too, isn't he? He is, yeah. Look, and he, he took his goal. I mean, the goal that he scored was just brilliant. I mean, it was just what I love to see as a forward like Conor Callaghan really going for the goal sidestepping break, like beating three men in this in, in a five yard space and then slipping it to Scully who then with a lovely little sidestep and just buries it I mean it's just pure class that other teams just but there's there's rare that you have teams that have that quality like and that's why Dublin are just so far ahead at the minute yeah they definitely are Stephen Cluxton deserves a mention here lads he had a great save from um from Hurley in the first half which is very important now Hurley should have thrown that across it was a little bit selfish from him and he had to be um, more aware of who was across the goals and it's hard to be Cluxton in a one-on-one like that like Cluxton is very good and going along the ground is actually not the way to be Cluxton going high is almost the way to be Cluxton because Cluxton like Premier League goalkeepers falls back and leaves his le- you know what I mean he's making himself big low whereas I think drive it to the roof of the net will be Cluxton quicker than yeah. you know trying to squ- the, wriggle it along the ground the one thing that he does quite well is the timing of his move off his line which narrows the angle down hugely like a lot of the time you have players and they just get too close and he's just right out on their boot yeah. which, is, which is exactly what you'd expect him to be doing but he does it really really well and the speed at which he moves forward off his line means that the, the attacker unless they take the shot like to me if you're coming in on Cluxton the shot has to go early before he has a time to narrow the angle because he's not that he's not really that tall of a no. goalkeeper and you saw Mulligan's goal the famous goal like he he just blasted that and yeah. Cluxton's kind of fought now that went off he kind of sliced that yeah. by mistake but I remember Tyrone scoring a couple of high goals I think he's more vulnerable to a high goal than he is actually to a low goal it's, it's a weird one it's um, the early shot that's going to maybe the early shot yeah, yeah yeah, before he has set because he does so much work probably oh, like on him. setting himself yeah. and you know who was it Neville Southall told me before in my previous job that David De Gea um, saves a lot of goals with his feet and that's actually very poor technique for a goalkeeper that they're actually supposed to be able to get down and, and knock it away with their hands or something I was thinking it's a weird one the easiest 
save ever is just your foot. You can actually stay standing. Five aside, like, yeah. Five aside, yeah. You yeah. don't ever have to hurt yourself by diving <laughs> at all. But anyways, that's my, I, I don't, I, t- I usually don't tend to analyse goalkeepers <laughs> having a clue what I'm talking about. Um, Carl McShane is the last nomination, lads. Uh, he got five, uh, eight, five uh, frees. And I'm in two minds now whether Trone will ever go back to the system that they lost to Donegal and beat Dublin in the league. I think if they play Dublin, they might go back to it only because Carl McShane has given them that extra danger that they never had up there that can win his own ball get a score out of nothing um, get possession a bit further up the field so I'm thinking Mickey Hart's going this is our game plan from now on against anyone except for Dublin I really think that's that's his uh, going to be his we won't see Maddie Donnelly because he was too good out the field as well Um, we won't see any of that the only time we'll see it is if Dublin play Tyrone and I think Tyrone won't do it against Dublin in Super 8s I think when you see Dublin Tyrone Super 8s Tyrone have to play silly beggars in that game yeah now I'm not going to preview that game now even no, though it's, even though it's tempting <laughs> <laughs> the difference is is that uh, over the last two years they've had Mark Bradley and Lee Brennan inside on their own and they had three men marking them so the ball was never really on but they were doing that role to keep three men on them so everybody else had a bit of space now Cal McShane genuinely is an option even with three men on him like, so they can still kick it and play the way they were playing and obviously when he's getting the ball he's making things happen so I think Mickey Hart might be thinking we're just even better than what we were last yeah, year Do you think there's a danger that he'll say well we play Dublin now we have McShane who's a wrecking ball we're going to stick with this I think so You think so yeah I have, I have a feeling he yeah. might too you know that's just the, the nature of Mickey Hart. Anyways, listen, we can't get into that. Who's performance of the weekend? I, it's down, lads, between uh, David Clifford and Jack McCaffrey, and I'm finding it very difficult to choose a winner here. Um, it's not easy to choose a winner. I'll be accused of Dublin bias if I go for Clifford. Um, okay, David Clifford. There you go. I never worried about Dublin bias, even though Jack McCaffrey, one of my favourite players in the game, he was outstanding. I think Clifford just uh, outshone him yesterday in just pure brilliance and class. Um, right throughout the game even though like I said Jack McCaffrey was the next on the list right David Clifford congratulations it's not the only time I'm sure for the rest of the year I'm going to be saying congratulations you've got a pair of Paddy Power lucky pants right that's it from us we'll be back on Thursday we'll preview round two of the Super 8 talk to you then good luck the GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power money back as a free bet on any championship match on live TV if you're losing first goal scorer bet gets a goal I'm not finished yet, it took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f-ing shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f-ing houses for f-ing 10 years.